0: If you have been to the early service on Christmas Eve in, oh, probably the last 10 years or so, you probably know at this point, I am standing in front of two rows of children with shining faces and sparkling eyes who have come forward to help me place figures in the nativity scene. The hope is that a little piece of the story will be planted in their hearts to grow later. But on this COVID Christmas, there are no kids. I'm kinda sad. I miss you if you're out there. But I know this story is for everyone, whether they are sad, glad, or mad. So it's still important to think about that nativity scene here on Christmas Eve. I got a new nativity set this year, and I do want you to meet them. But the first character in the story is someone you don't see in nativity sets. It starts with an order from Emperor Augustus. If you're old like me, you know him as Caesar Augustus, who considers the world his empire, the Roman Empire. He has decided he wants to know how many people there are in his empire. And he ordered everybody in the world to go to whatever town their grandparents are from and be counted. And being from the emperor, These orders needed to be obeyed, no matter how pregnant Mary was. Emperors do not like being disobeyed, and disobedient people get in a lot of trouble. I think that's an important detail to remember about the Christmas story, and actually the whole story of Jesus' life. It took place under the thumb of the Roman Empire, that years later would actually kill Jesus' crucifixion is a Roman punishment. Jesus brought a whole new kingdom that would turn the power of the empire upside down. So, first, we meet Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph lived in a town called Nazareth, but needed to travel to Bethlehem, where Joseph's family came from. People say it's about 90 miles, I really don't know. And angels had told both of them separately that Mary was going to have a very special baby and they should name him Jesus, which means God saves. They're just two ordinary people who love God, but they said okay and went with God's plan. The next character is not actually in the Bible. But pretty much everybody else who tells this story includes a donkey. Personally, I think they would need a donkey for if no other reason to carry baggage 90 miles. And I suspect that once in a while, Mary may have had a ride on it. The next character really isn't a character, but it's a big deal on Christmas. This is the manger. We turn our attention to the main setting of Bethlehem The Bible tells us only that it's a place where animals eat. Technically, they don't even mention animals. They just mention a manger, which we know is the place that animals eat, a cow or a sheep. Over time, people decided that Mary and Joseph must have been stuck in some kind of feedlot since there was no place for them in the inn. Most often, they call that feeding place a stable or a barn. But then lately, some people who know more about the setting than certainly I do and historical practices say it was actually a cave. Whatever it was, the Bible only tells us that there was a manger. Because of this idea of a barn or a stable, many nativities include a cow just hanging out in there, probably wondering why there's a baby in its food. Well, when I ordered my new set, I said I wanted a cow. But the soft sculpture artist said it was an ox. And so this is our ox for our nativity set. So in the stable with the ox, the baby was born and placed in the manger. And his parents named him Jesus, just as the angels had said. Now that kind of ends the first part of this story. That's where Joey who was reading, stopped, and Linnea sang. A newborn Jesus in the manger, tiny and vulnerable human who parents help keep him warm and fed and safe and loved. Then the setting shifts. It shifts to hills outside of Bethlehem. And there are shepherds watching over their sheep during the night. I only bought one shepherd and I'm asking myself why but I will probably order another one for next year. But I got one shepherd but I got two sheep. And the, the uh, I don't know, can you see them? They got two sheep and the artist asked me if I wanted black or white sheep and I said yes. And so I have a white sheep and a black sheep. So This is the part of the Christmas story that my daughter, who you just saw, loves to read at every Christmas Eve. And she loves it because in the cartoon, Charlie Brown's Christmas, Charlie Brown, who is taunted because of his Christmas tree, finally shouts out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is about? And dear, calm Linus says, sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about and he walks calmly to the middle of the stage, and he says, lights please. Now, I have to say that my daughter has been reading this many years uh, in the churches I have served, but she has never actually said lights please. I expected it, but I didn't get it. But I know that David and I and Jenny all, when she stands up to say that, say, lights please. Then Linus goes on, to declare the angel's announcement of, I bring you good news of great joy for all people, for to you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Good news for you, the savior is born for you. And then finally, we have our angel of the Lord who came to ordinary people working in the night shift. God's big announcement of good news, of great joy for all of humankind at all times and all places was given to ordinary shepherds. I think that tells us something about God. This big announcement wasn't given to those in charge of the empire. It was shepherds at work at night. Finally, the angel told the shepherds, you can find him in a town, in a manger. You'll know it's him, well, because he's in a manger. Then Luke tells us a whole bunch of angels joined the first one to sing God's praises. Most nativity sets only have one angel, so you have to shut your eyes and imagine all the others filling the night sky. Then the shepherds ran into town where they found Jesus wrapped in cloths and in a manger and then they were astonished and ran back to tell everybody this amazing news and i don't even know you're going to see this one but we come to our final figure doug can we see them if i put him here i don't know what to do with him anyway this itty bitty character is the one who is the center of the story when i hold this little guy I am once again astonished by God. So assuming, so fragile, so dependent. This one is named God saves. This one makes all the difference in the world for everyone, always. Now on regular Christmas eves, I'm usually just speechless at this point and I don't know what to say, so I let the children who are starting to get twitchy go back to their family. But I found a a quote from Karen Bowler, who is an associate professor at Duke Divinity School, and she had to say this about this ordinary and astonishing birth. He was born to save us, and he will, but first he must melt our hearts, appearing not as a sage or philosopher or emperor, but as a cold little child who has no home. He he disarms us with his tender vulnerability and summons us to enter his world as little children. And that world of his is the kingdom of God. So, I get to lead service here at Gloria Day, both on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And on Christmas Day, we read a different part of Jesus' story. You'll hear a part of it when we light our candles, This story is from the Gospel of John. John describes Jesus in cosmic terms. Jesus, the Word, was there when God created the world. Nothing was created without the Word, Jesus, was there. The Word is life, and the life is the light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. The life no death can overcome. The Word that no silence can overcome. Now, all that really confuses my my brain, but it's totally awesome in my heart. In those early verses of John, there's one more sentence that tells us what Christmas is about. It's almost as good as Linus's answer. It says, the word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace and truth. God moved in with us. Isaiah and Matthew had a name for that God in the flesh. They called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This word became human, and so this word knows exactly what it is to be a human in a time like 2020. I know that 2020 has been a long haul of separation, isolation, distancing, and death. I know it brought an economic crisis with the loss of so many jobs and small businesses. I know it has revealed horrible truths about power and privilege and keeping knees on people's necks too long. I know it has brought unbearable division, anger, and violence. And yes, thank God, it has brought a vaccine for our physical disease and we just need to hang on a little bit longer. But recovery from all the grief, loss, and pain, and injustice is going to take a whole lot longer. But then there's that little guy. The cosmic word does not abandon us. Emmanuel is with us. A new kingdom is breaking in. We've seen all of that even in spite of the chaos. We've seen it in the compassion shown by all who work in the medical areas. There have been people stepping up and feeding their neighbors, filling food banks, buying coats or toys or gift cards. And there are white people supporting Black Lives Matter and diligently studying and searching their lives for how they have contributed to racism. These people, this human flesh, serve as God's hands and heart in the flesh. The God has moved in and has not left. And all those who suffering, when we look in their eyes, we also see God in the flesh. And the adult Jesus tells us that when we serve them, we serve that vulnerable little baby named God saves. Merry Christmas. the peace of God which passes all understandings. Keep your hearts and minds on Christ our Lord. Amen.